is Satan having a heyday right now in my head? So y'all want to know what the secret was that Tommy came and whispered to me? No, you don't. <laughs> no, no. So, happy Labor Day weekend. The United States is the only nation that takes a day off to celebrate their labor. Not really sure about that, but awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I know my kids are, I know my kids are excited because there is no school, but at the same time, it is a, it is a great time to reflect. And that's exactly what Labor Day was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a day that farmers and everybody else would take time to reflect about all the hard labors throughout the summer so they could make it through the winter. And you know, as believers, it's something, that's something that we need to be doing often too. We need to reflect on the steps that have been moved forward. Friday night, I went to, um, I'm not gonna call it a football game. Um, Tyler, QB1, boys, take it easier on them next time, seriously. When you go to a football game and it's 35 to zero in the first quarter. Ow. Ow. That hurt. And what was funny is we were, we took the boys over to my mom's house to stay the night with her after the ball game and me and Jennifer were driving back and we're watching the Towns County buses slowly make their way back home. And I was sitting there thinking about, Man, those poor kids absolutely feel defeated. There is one good thing to it, though. Towns County did score their first touchdown. Uh, they're not. So, I mean, there are some praises to it. But sometimes that's exactly what you've got to do. You've got to look at the positives. You've got to look at where you have come from. And this morning, I'm thankful for a lot of things that have happened. I'm thankful, I'm thankful that Dan's even with us this morning. Um, that is, Dan, I really didn't expect you to be here this morning, but praise God, thank you for being here this morning. But that is amazing. But even in our lives, we have to look at the accomplishments that we have in our lives. You know, God does not want us to be beat down all the time. God does not want us to feel like we're constantly ridiculed. But the main thing that we have to realize in this is sometimes we have to give ourselves a break. Think about that for a minute. Who is harder on you than anybody in the world? You are. You are. I'm hard on myself. I am constantly putting myself down. I am constantly ridiculing myself. I am constantly evaluating myself. And while it is good to evaluate, there is a healthy way in which we should be doing that. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about a healthy way that we can evaluate ourselves when it comes to our walk as a believer. Now, I know when it comes to that, if I were to ask you, how are you doing as a believer? Well, let's just ask a couple. Brian, how do you feel like you're doing as a devout believer in Christ? Horrible. Expect it a little bit more. I ain't going to ask Tommy right now. <laughs> Chuck, how about you? How do you feel like you're doing as a devout believer of Christ? Five. Five? Hey, at least to give yourself a little bit of credit. Joey? Plenty of room for improvement. Plenty of room for improvement. Jennifer? Okay. <laughs> 
Some days are better than others. That is very true. But when it comes to our life as a believer, there are certain things and evidences that we can look for in our life to help us and encourage us to move forward. A couple of weeks ago, I started a book, and um, it's kind of crazy because some of the people in our congregation are actually reading this book as well. And the book is called The Gap the, um, the Gap and the Game. And it's talking about our mindset of how we view things in life. And when it comes to being the life of a believer, we have a lot of similarities in the way we view things as well. Think about this. When you think about your life as a believer, you think about your life at the beginning, before you come to know Christ. But then what do you look towards after that? You look towards what your life is going to be when you eventually get with him. Now understand, there is a large gap between born-again believer and resurrected saint. There is a huge gap, a huge expanse in that. And a lot of times our mindset is to always look at the gap. No matter how far we've come, we always look at that gap to what we have, to where we are now. And it gets discouraging. It gets very discouraging. Well, over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about two things that God did for us. And then two weeks after that, we're going to talk about our role when it comes to the things that take place in our life. You know, there was a man a long time ago who had a very, very sincere heart in seeking God out. And it was so sincere that he went to Jesus himself late one night. Now, this guy, I want you you to understand something about this gentleman. If you were to look at this gentleman and you were to put him in the perspective of who is successful, this guy would rise to the top. This is an individual that you would say was a devout Christian. This is a gentleman that you would say he is, a devout, he is, he is devoted to the church. And this is a gentleman that you would even say was successful in in life. But I want you to look at what Jesus has to say. We're going to be in John chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12 today. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I am saying to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter, in, in, <clears throat> enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that uh, that I said to you, you must be born again. 
Because the wind blows where it wishes, and you do not hear the sound of it. But do not know, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So it is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him and said, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we testify and of what we have seen and do not, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe me, how will you believe me when I tell you heavenly things? Pray with me. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord. Um, like Tommy said, thankful for the opportunity to be here. Father, I want to... Uh, God, I'm sorry. When I allow my temper and my anger to get the best part of me. I know these things of technology, Lord, they're, they're a great tool. They really are. But I know that more than anything, Satan wants to ruin everything that we're trying to do here this morning. And Father, what I pray this morning is that the people would not hear me. They don't need to hear me right now, Lord. What I pray is that your people will hear from you this morning. Not only for encouragement, Lord, but also, Lord, to help them see what you have done in their lives. Because, Lord, when we see what you have done in our lives, that is when our true worship comes about. We worship you, Lord, for how good you are. We worship you because of who you are. But we also worship you, Lord, because of what you have done for us. So this morning, Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart and mind to understand what it is that this word has for us this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for the miracles that we got to see this week with Dan, with Eric, and with so many others, Lord, with McKinley. And I just praise you, God, this morning, Lord. Make yourself known to your people. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's talk about this for a minute. Nicodemus. Nicodemus is um, kind of a peculiar story. Like I said before, he was a religious leader in Jerusalem. He was part of the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling authority over the people of Israel. He is part of the Pharisees, an elite group of, of, if you were to try to come up with a term for Pharisees, think of special forces religious people. I'm talking top of the class people. They held to all the laws. They even made more laws to keep themselves from holding all of these laws to the point that these people were super religious. Y'all ever met super religious people? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> thank you brother it's true it's true it's true but these people were super religious to the point that nobody really wanted to be around them you get what i'm saying Nobody wanted to be around them because everybody when they come close to pharisees they felt inferior to them because these were devout men 
These were devout people who followed all the law, who were legitimately trying to seek God. Because let's get real, that's what they were doing. Through their religion, they were trying to seek God. But what they didn't realize is in their heart of seeking after God, they were actually very far from him. This man by the name of Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus at night. You know why you go to a person at night? Because you don't want nobody else to see you. But there's also an interesting parallel here because he's going in darkness and Nicodemus is in darkness at this time. But he's going to Jesus and Jesus is the light and he wants to know, he wants to know what is Jesus doing? I mean, he tells Jesus, listen to what he tells Jesus because this is something that I really wrestled with this week. He said, Rabbi, we know. Who's we? Who is the we that he's talking about? Any idea? What group's he a part of? He's part of the Pharisees. And what elite group, what ruler group is he a part of? Sanhedrin. So he's sitting there saying to Jesus, we know. We know what? We know what? We know that you have come from God as a teacher. They recognized that God had sent Jesus to this earth for a specific reason. Their darkness was to why Jesus was really being sent. See, they see him as just a teacher. And honestly, guys, a lot of people in church see Jesus as just a teacher as well. Well, he's the one who helps us to know what to do and what not to do. He's the one who guides us and he's the one who helps us to be bold about presenting the gospel. And all those things are true. But brothers and sisters, Jesus is more than just a teacher. The word that's used there, rabbi, is a, is a direct representation of what we would call today a professor. See, they were looking at Jesus as somebody who was just going to come show them what to do. Somebody who was just going to teach them what to do. And he gives all these accolades to Christ. He goes on to say, For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So not only do they recognize that God sent him, they also recognize that God is with him. What they didn't recognize was that God was with them. Nicodemus stood in the presence of Jesus Christ, God the Son, and had no idea what was going to take place. You know, after this, some things go through my mind. Exactly what do you think Jesus would reply to this? I mean, he gave him such good credit. Man, you're a good teacher. We know that God is with you. We know that God is using you. We know. The Pharisees know. Let that stick in your head for a moment. But Jesus fires something off that, I mean, Nicodemus didn't even ask for. Look at what he says. Jesus said, truly, truly. 
I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus asked nothing about what it meant to get into heaven. You know that, right? Nicodemus asked absolutely nothing about this question. But yet Jesus spouts off this answer. And why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Do you think it's possible that Jesus actually knew what Nicodemus was coming for? Do you think it's possible that Jesus knew what was going on in Nicodemus' heart? Do you think it is possible that Nicodemus really had a burning question in who, of his mind of, am I doing this right, but never verbalized it, and Jesus knew it? That's exactly what happened. Jesus knew what Nicodemus really needed. You see, Nicodemus was doing all these things to make himself right with God. Everything that he was doing was for what reason? To please God. And even in our lives, let's just be honest. A lot of times we make it our goal to please God, do we not? Moms, you want your children to please you, but you ultimately want them to please God, right? Dads, you want your children to please you, but ultimately you want them to please God, right? Even in our lives, we want to do everything that we can do to please God. So why is it that Jesus spouted out this answer? You must be born again. Because you see, this brings a lot of tension. This brings a lot of tension to our hearts about what we do. Religious leader who is more devout in his religious practices than probably anybody in this room stands before God and says, you are great. And Jesus looks at him and says, you're not good enough. You need to be born again. Which brings this whole thing into Nicodemus' head. How is it that I can be born again? That's a good question, isn't it? That's a good question. How is it that we can be born again? And a lot of people will say, well, for us that means that you believe. Yes, to a point it does mean that you believe. But I want to remind you of this. That in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, there are many people who believe that Jesus is Lord and who will do many things in his name. But when it comes time to enter into the kingdom of heaven, Jesus will look at them and say, depart from me for I never. Wow. What about this statement in James chapter 2, verse 19, where it says that even the demons believe in Jesus. Does that mean they get in? No, because this whole concept of what we talk about when we talk about believing in Jesus is a little bit more than just believing that he exists. My boys believe Jesus exists. With all my heart, I know that they believe, just like I do, that Jesus is real. But the belief that we are really talking about that takes place in our life, yes, it is a part of us. 
but it is more a part of what God does in us. See, we like to think that we're smart. So we come up with all these crafty words talking about what it means to be saved. And we come up with these words like regeneration, justification, sanctification, glorification. And that's really what we're going to be going through. But we really don't have an understanding about what these words mean. When Jesus said, you have to be born again, he is talking about a regeneration process. So let's talk about being born, period. How much work did you have to do to be born? None. None. Now, we know your mom and daddy did some work. We're not going to get into that, but we know your mom and daddy did some work. But how much work did you have to do to be born? Nothing. You did absolutely nothing to be born. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to build up to it. You didn't have to get a degree for it. You were born. And you were born because God chose to give you life. But God has also chosen to give you a life beyond what is right here. So I want you to think about this. If you can do nothing to be born, how much does it require of your behalf to be born again? This is the first part of salvation that most of us do not understand. Salvation is not something we work for, work to, or get to. It's something that we are given. It's something that is given to us because God loved us so much, and we'll get to this verse next week, that he gave his only begotten son for us. He did this for us. And see, this is why this threw Nicodemus off completely. Because what had Nicodemus been doing all of his life? He had been working to what? Make himself right with God. There is nothing I can do to make myself right with God. There is nothing that any sinner can do to make themselves right with God. And some people say, well, 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 they could say a prayer. <laughs> yeah, they can say a prayer, but does a prayer make you right with God? Well, they can be baptized. I mean, it says right there, Scotty, it says that they got to be, wa- be born of the water. But is being baptized, is that what gives you salvation? When we're looking at our lives and we're trying to see where we started and where we are going to, we've got to realize this. We start off where every single individual starts off. Helpless. Absolutely helpless. And man, I think about it, I was thinking about it the other night. How helpless those guys on that bus must have felt driving back to Towns County. How helpless and defeated they absolutely felt as they took that long 30-minute drive back home. 
But then I'm reminded about how helpless I once felt too. You know what I'm talking about? Do you remember that moment when Christ really let you know who he was? Do you remember that moment where you had all of this shame, all of this guilt, all of these feelings of hurt for what you had done in your life? You cried out to God and he saved you. Do you remember that? Do you remember the release afterwards? Do you remember the feeling of all of that going away? Do you know why you felt that going away of all that shame, all that guilt, all that pain? Because something new was starting inside of you. You were being born again. Nicodemus didn't know this. Nicodemus couldn't get this. That's why he keeps asking Jesus, it's impossible for me to be born again. It's impossible for you to rebirth yourself, yes. But it's not impossible for Christ to start something new in your life. Matter of fact, that's exactly what he does. He takes broken things, damaged things, things that everybody throws away, things that nobody has any use for. And he turns those things into his vessels, his instruments for his glory, for his purpose. You say, I'm Scotty, but how do we see that? And that's a good question. How do we see this rebirth? Because it's not something that we can easily see. But Jesus gives another illustration in here that can help us see what he's talking about. Look over there. In verse 8, he says this. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So everyone who is born of the Spirit. Can you see the wind? Why is it that we will look outside and say, man, look at that wind? You ever thought about that? We do. We say, look at that wind. Do we actually see the wind? No, we don't see the wind. Sure, if it's kind of cloudy, we can see the wind moving the clouds. Or if fall's coming about and leaves are starting to drop, we can see the leaves swirling around on the ground. Or if we have downbursts like we had the other night, we can see those Big columns of air come down and affect the trees. But can we really see the wind? No, we don't see the wind. So next time you look out your window, don't tell your spouse, look at that wind blow. It's kind of foolish, kind of silly. But we say it, don't we? And why do we say it? Because even though we don't see the wind, we see its effect. I can't see an individual being born again. I can't see it. You can't see it. None of us can see it. And that's why I'm very careful 
When somebody asks me, well, do you think they're saved? I don't know. I can't see that. So how do we know? We know because we can see the effect of it. Because when Jesus encounters an individual, when he has a true encounter with an individual, let me tell you something. There is a change in their life. No man or woman or child who had a true encounter with Christ has ever went back the same they were before. It's impossible. It's impossible. Why? Because they are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And see, this brings a lot of tension to us because, you know, we keep thinking that this is all about what we do. It's all about our attendance. It's all about how many Bible studies we're a part of. It's all about how much we give. It's all about what we're doing in our community. It's all about whether we're serving here or whether we're serving there. You cannot use any of these indicators as a true measure of whether somebody is saved or unsaved. But at the same time, I can tell you this. If a person comes to Christ and they are the same way or worse than the way they were before, you've got to have a question. Because nothing that is reborn stays the way it was. Nothing. It changes. There is evidence for the believer. And this is what hung up Nicodemus and the Pharisees for so long. Because they had a scale on which they measured how good they were doing with God. How many laws they kept. How many loud prayers they said in public. How many people they confronted about being wrong. How many people they tried to correct. How many things they held to. But none of those things equaled a relationship with God. This is why I don't use terms like religion. A lot. Because religion is nothing more than us trying to work our ways to God. And a lot of people will say, well, you're of a different religion than I am. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, you're dang right I'm of a different religion. I don't have a religion. I have Jesus. And it's not a work to system. It's a he loves and he gives type of thing. So as we're looking over the next couple of weeks at this broad scale of where we started and where we are going. Let's stay right here for just a second and let's just think about how much Jesus really loves us. He loves us so much that he left heaven Where's the most perfect place you've ever been? Brittany, where's the most perfect place you've ever been? The beach. (laughs) Sand ain't perfect. Build nothing on sand. But in her mind, the beach is perfect. My wife's mind's the same thing. 
because of the breeze, because of the sound of the ocean, because of all the people flooding around you, stepping on you. Yeah, that's heaven. And the hot stuff, yeah. But still, there's an image of perfection there. There's an image of what they're going to. Jesus left perfection and came where? Man, Jesus got involved in the mess. Jesus got involved in all of the mess. And I don't know about you, but that tells me that somebody must at least think about me to get involved in the messes that I get involved in. But not only did he do that, he lived. He lived here. He experienced the same temptations, the same desires, and all these things that we experienced. But he did it in a different lot. He did it without sinning. He loved us enough to show us that it could be done. But he also loved us enough to show us that even though he knew we couldn't do it, he was willing to be the payment for it. And I know we've hit on this many times, but we've got to sit here for a minute. Jesus died for our sin, not his own. God sent his son to die for us. And because of that death on the cross, because he was buried in the grave that we should have been buried in, because he was risen, we know that our sin is paid for. Our punishment is taken care of. And our promise of eternity is absolutely glorious. When I think about that, I'm not thinking that I'm here at the start anymore. When I think about what I'm given, I realize that I'm not over here where it starts. Matter of fact, when I realize exactly everything that I've been given, I'm closer to over here than I realized before. Because the gift that God has given us is indescribable. The gift that God has given us can never do anything to be earned. The gift that God has given us is so great that if we were to ever even try to describe it, we would always fall short. Labor Day, we always celebrate the labors that we've been able to be a part of. We celebrate the harvest that we're able to bring in so that we don't starve through the winter. We celebrate the ability just to be able to work. But brothers and sisters, when it comes down to it, the labor for our salvation was all done by Jesus. And this week, that's what we should really be celebrating. Nicodemus and the Pharisees 
knew that everything that they had done was still not enough. Nicodemus, late one night, comes to Jesus with a real question in mind. Jesus, is everything I'm doing good enough to make it to heaven? Because that was the real question that was burning his mind. And that's probably the real question that's burning in some of your minds right now. Is everything that I'm doing good enough? Brothers and sisters, none of us are good enough. None of us are good enough to make our way to God. But God is good enough that he made his way to us so that we could make our way to him. Pray with me. Father, this morning we celebrate not the labors that we've done, but the labors that you have done. And Father, I'm thankful the day that I became born again. But I realize, Lord, that it was nothing that I did. It was your spirit that drew me. I realize, Lord, that it was you that was doing the work in me to even make me realize that I needed you. And I realize, Lord, that everything I've done in my life could never even compare to the graciousness and the, the greatness of the gift that you've given us. And I'm thankful, Lord, that in that moment when I did not know I needed you, you knew how much I needed you. You opened my heart. You let me in. You saved me. And this morning, Lord, if there is somebody here who is battling with the tension right now of being good enough, I pray that this morning they would have an encounter with you that is like no other. Father, call your children to yourself. For those of us who know where we stand with you, Lord, let us celebrate it. Let us exclaim it to everybody that we see. Let us be happy about the fact of what you've given us. And let us praise you, Lord, because we didn't deserve it. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this word that you've given us this morning. Let us take it to heart. And let us take it to the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here. And I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. 
If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.